everybody. If you're uh, new to our church, God bless you. It's great to have you with us today. My name is Greg Johnson. I have the privilege of serving here as uh, lead pastor and uh, welcome. Go ahead and greet somebody before you're seated. Shake a hand or two. Tell somebody, man, you look good today. Tell somebody it's good to see you. If you're joining us at Mission Church online, we're so glad that you're with us today. God bless you as you worship the Lord with us here in the house. How you doing, buddy? Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Amen. Well, take your Bibles. Did you bring a Bible today? Come on, we go through this routine just about every Sunday morning, right? I'm going to check you out because you got to do what? You got to check me out, right? You got to make sure I'm giving you the truth from the Word of God. Amen? Amen. All right. So we're going to be in 1 Chronicles today. 1 Chronicles and chapter 21 as uh, we continue the series that we are in on stewardship and uh, preparing specifically next week is Vision Sunday. And I'm so excited about Vision Sunday. It is one of the highlights of our year, one of the most important days in our calendar where we celebrate the vision that God has given to us as a faith community, a vision that goes beyond you and me, us four, it's not us four and no more, it's a vision to reach this community, not just today, but tomorrow and years to come for the next generation. So we're going to be talking about that next week. So in preparation for that, we want to talk a little bit about uh, the biblical principles of finances and what are our responsibilities to the kingdom of God financially. And as we observe those kingdom principles, we put ourselves in the blessing of God as we walk in obedience to Him. So as an example of this, I wanted us to look at uh, King David and um, just take a, a glimpse at something in his life, First Chronicles chapter 21, verse 18. Therefore, the angel of the Lord commanded Gad, Gad is the name of a prophet, to say to David that David should go and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. Now down to verse 22. Then David, he got there, and he said to Ornan, he said, Grant me the place of this threshing floor, that I may build an altar on it to the Lord. You shall grant it to me at the full price. Everybody say, full price. That the plague may be withdrawn from the people. But Ornan said to David, Take it for yourself and, and let my lord the king do what is good in his eyes. Look, I also give you the oxen for burnt offerings, the threshing implements for wood, and the wheat for the grain offering. I give it all to you for the purposes of your offering it to God. Verse 24. Then King David said to Ornan, No. But I will surely buy it for the full price. For I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings with that which costs me nothing. 
So David gave Ornan 600 shekels of gold by weight for the place. And David built an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called on the Lord. And he answered him from heaven by fire on the altar of the burnt offering. Look at that last statement there. He answered him from heaven by fire. Amen. We need a little more fire today, don't we? We need a little more fire in our worship, in our offering unto the Lord. As I mentioned, we're currently in this series on stewardship, looking at biblical truths for finances and for giving, uh, which will actually we'll, we'll wrap it up next week on Vision Sunday. You remember two weeks ago, Pastor Keith started us off with a message on stewardship where he emphasized that God owns everything. How much does God own? everything. And as owner of everything, that means what you and I think we possess is actually God's. It comes from God, right? And he allows us to use it to to have it, but ultimately it belongs to God. Amen. Last week, we talked about tithing. The tithing, the tithe is a tenth. And that's the act of worship whereby we return one-tenth of everything God has put in our hands that he still owns, Right? And we give one-tenth back to him to demonstrate to him our belief that God is the owner of all things and the source of everything that I possess. It all comes from God. Amen. Today, I want to talk about offering what costs me nothing. Offering that which costs me nothing. So a little historical context on this scripture. Just prior to this uh, event, David, the king, had it in his heart to do a census over Israel. And uh, it seems innocent enough. In fact, it seems like it might be a responsible thing for a king to do, except we learn that David took this census, this numbering of Israel, out of pride. Out of pride. Israel had become a a great nation under David, and David wanted to feel the glory of his own success by letting the world know, in fact, everyone in his kingdom know, just how great he really was as a leader. You know, look at my army. Look how great it is. Look at, look at my administration. Look at all of the people here. Look at how great Israel has become under my leadership. Now, one of David's generals advised David against doing this because he knew David, and he knew that this census was really about David's ego. But David disregarded that. He did the census anyway, so that he could beat his chest a little bit. And God knew that. God saw the motive of his heart. And so God judged David for taking the census because it was all about his ego and his pride. And God sent judgment to the nation in the form of a plague, a plague which resulted in killing thousands and thousands of people, which is interesting because it actually diminished the very thing that gave David so much pride. Now, once David realized his sin, he repented. Everybody say repented. And that's the great thing about David is that he, he wasn't a perfect man, but when he made mistakes, when he sinned, he was quick to repent. He was quick to repent. And at the command of an angel, uh, he went to a very specific place to make a burnt offering unto the Lord. And it's interesting, as you study this out, this was the same place 
where David went to offer this burnt offering, where centuries before, Abraham took his son Isaac as an offering to God, where God actually told him not to offer his son, and instead provided a lamb in his place, where God revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And this place, which is known as Mount Moriah, was actually owned now by a man named Ornan. And David was commanded to go to this place to erect an altar and to offer a burnt sacrifice to God. And so when he got there, Ornan, the the, the owner here, was so enamored by the king, so enamored by this great man who had come to visit him, that he offered generously to give him the property as a gift. And in fact, to also give him everything that he needed to make the offering, the oxen, and give him the threshing tools to burn them for fuel for the fire. And, and David, as we read, said to him, no. He said, Ornan, no, I appreciate your generosity. But he said, I must buy it at full price because I cannot offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. And so he bought it for 600 shekels, shekels of gold. Now, when David said this, that he would not offer to the Lord that which cost him nothing, it was in response to Ornan's offer to give David everything he needed to make an offering. But David it objected, and he basically was saying this. He's saying, I cannot give to God something that does not belong to me. Something that I have not obtained at my own expense. In other words, if what I give to God isn't truly mine, then I'm not really giving God anything. Did you get that? Let me say it again. If I give to God as an offering what is not truly mine, then I'm not really giving God anything. Now, this is a powerful principle as we understand stewardship and our responsibility as God's stewards to give unto the Lord. So with this as a backdrop, I want to look at one of the most famous scriptures that we use in talking about giving today in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, which I know is a favorite for many of us. This is where Jesus said, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. This is an awesome word, isn't it? This is, this is a, when we give to God, God makes a promise back to us. That when we give to Him, He gives back to us. Now, this is not our motive for giving, but this is a principle that we enact because God established it. He said, when you're faithful as a steward and you give to me, then I'm going to give back to you. But here's what we need to be clear about and the distinction that I want to make today. What we mean by giving is very important. And this is where David's remarks to Ornan are so instructive. 
giving, now, now follow with me now, giving to God is not really giving if we are giving from that which does not belong to us. Amen. Let me give you an example. Just now stay with me. It's going to become clear in a moment. If uh, you lend me $100, and tomorrow I come back to you and I say, thank you so much for that $100 that you lent me yesterday, and to show you how grateful I am, I want to give you $100 today. It's okay, you don't have to thank me. I just want to give you $100 because I'm feeling so generous and so kind today. Now, question. Have I really given you anything? No. I just returned what was yours in the first place. Now, if I gave you $100 plus um, a $25 gift card to Home Depot... Well, now I've given you something because I purchased that gift card out of what belonged to me. Now, let's apply this to our own lives when it comes to tithes and offerings. Last week, we learned that the tithe is one-tenth of all of our income that God declares as holy. In other words, he says, I'm putting all of this abundance in your hand, right? But one-tenth of it is mine, God says. It's mine. And he says, I'm putting it in your hands because I want you to take what is mine and I want you to return it back to me as a sign, a tangible sign of your obedience to my word and a tangible expression that I am Lord over your life and everything that you have is actually mine. Amen. It shows ownership. But here's the point. If the tithe belongs to God, and I bring that tithe to God, have I really given God anything? No, I've not. I've only returned to Him what belonged to Him in the first place, according to the biblical truth. And as we learn from David, if I give from that which doesn't belong to me, I haven't given anything to God. Anybody tracking with me here today? To give to God, giving, when we look at Luke chapter 6, give and it shall be given. Giving, to give to God means that it must come from what is mine to give, and not from what is His. The tithe is already His. Tithing is returning to Him what belongs to Him. Giving does not occur until we give over and above the tithe which is already His. Giving does not occur until we release from what belongs to to us. David said, I will not give to God that which costs me nothing. This is the difference between tithes and offerings. 
Giving is supposed to cost me something. It comes out of what is mine and causes me a sacrifice to give it. The tithe, as I talked about last week, is not supposed to cost us anything because we're not supposed to be spending it on ourselves in the first place. Hello? Because the tithe belongs to God and is to be returned to God as soon as we receive it. First off the top, amen? First thing out is the tithe. It should not be a factor in our disposable income. It should not be a part of of what we calculate to live on, to pay our bills on, to support our lifestyles on. The tithe does not exist for our consumption. It is holy. It is consecrated exclusively for God's purpose. In other words, we are supposed to construct a lifestyle that is supported by the 90% of our income, which allows us to regularly return the 10th back to God without any sacrifice or cost on our part. Amen. This is why I, I don't say I'm giving God my tithe, because it's not my tithe to give. It's His. I'm not giving God anything. I'm returning to God what belongs to Him. Amen. And giving only occurs when we give above what belongs to God, above the tithe. Amen? This brings us back to Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. It says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now focus on verse 8. In what way have we robbed you? What's the answer? In tithes and offerings. It's as though a worshiper came to worship and gave God less than the tithe that God owned, and God was saying, okay, well, you haven't even brought the tenth, so you've robbed me in tithes. And because what you did bring me came out of what should have been a tithe, you haven't even brought an offering. So you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. Hence the statement, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. How many are tracking with me? You get track? I didn't ask you if you liked it. I just asked if you were tracking with me. Okay. Let me be even clearer. The promise to open the windows of heaven is not just a promise in response to tithing. It's a response to tithes and offerings, to giving to God above our tithe because it comes out of our own sacrifice. You get the difference. The tithe is not a sacrifice. It's not supposed to cost us anything. 
It's not even supposed to be a part of what we calculate in our living. It's the giving that is calculated out of our living expenses. So how does it work in our lives? Well, after we bring the tithe, after the tithe has already been given to God, God presents us with opportunities to give to causes that glorify Him and that advance His kingdom in the earth. And often these causes, these opportunities to give, will require a sacrifice. That's what David said. I'm not going to offer it if it doesn't cost me anything. It's got to require sacrifice. It's got to somehow cut into our lives. You getting this? Again, let me emphasize this again. The tithe is not supposed to cut into our lives. As far as our expenses, the tithe doesn't even exist. Amen? Okay? The offering, the giving, is something that cuts into our lives, somehow reduces us, somehow diminishes us, somehow we feel it some, in some way. But we give this offering, this cutting into our lives in faith, believing that God will bless and God will provide. Hallelujah. Let me read it again. Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. It's a sacrifice that we offer to the Lord. That's what giving is. It is a sacrifice that we offer to the Lord, which is mingled with faith, to which we know when we present it to the Lord, He will add His grace to it. He will add His favor to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says this, He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one gives as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace. Everybody say grace. Grace is favor. God is able to make all favor abound toward you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have what? An abundance for every good work. So we understand that as we give unto the Lord, out uh, over and above of the tithe that is His, as we give out of what is ours, what cuts into our lives, we know that He's going to add His grace to it, pressed down, shaken together, running over, amen, right? So that we will have sufficiency in all things, having an abundance for every good work, amen. That's an amazing promise, isn't it? Amen? Remember this promise in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant in the earth. Amen. What does that mean? It means that God flows resources into our lives so that He can establish His covenant, His work in the earth through us. What does that mean? That means that God doesn't bless us just so that we can increase our standard of living. God blesses us so we can increase our standard of giving. Amen. Amen. 
God wants to build his kingdom. He wants to advance his kingdom. So what does he do? He puts resources into the hands of his people, and then he calls his people to release those resources from their own lives so that they can pour it into the work of God and advance his kingdom in the earth. Amen. And as we're faithful in the little that God gives us, he sees that faithfulness, and he makes us ruler over much. Are you getting this? He sees our faithfulness. He sees that he can trust us. And so then he pours more and more into our lives, knowing that we will release it outwardly to grow his kingdom. Amen. Faithfulness is the key. Now, next Sunday is Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday is an opportunity for us to present our offering, our pledges to the Lord. And these pledges that we make unto the Lord come out not of the not of the tithe, not of the 10%, they come out of the 90%. Because it's giving, it's not tithing. And how much you decide to give, to pledge, is entirely up to you. Our commitment here is not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. That's the standard that we teach. My wife and I, we pledge to our capital fund, our, our vision to build. We do it every year, and we'll be doing it this year. And I'm not asking you to do anything that we're not already doing ourselves and will not continue to do. We're going to continue to do it. We will have our pledge card next week. We'll have it filled out, and we will present it unto the Lord. And we'll also bring a special sacrificial offering unto the Lord. Amen. Now, I realize, I'm going to close here, I realize that a message like this can be difficult for some of us, can be somewhat off-putting. It can even be, it can even offend people because people don't want to, they don't want to hear about, they don't want to hear the preacher of the church talking about money. But I want you to bring your Bibles because I want you to see that everything that I'm teaching you comes from the Word of God. Right? And Jesus said, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And Jesus made no apologies in talking about our funds, our finances, our money. Amen. And I realize that some people, though, they don't, they don't get that. And, and so they come to church and they don't want to hear messages like this. And they want to just, you know, sit in a nice, comfortable sanctuary and, and nice, comfortable chairs. And they don't want to enjoy nice music, and hear an encouraging sermon. But I want us to realize something. I want us to realize that the reason why we have a nice church and the reason why we have nice, comfortable chairs and the reason why we have nice instruments and a sound system and we have, you know, heating in our sanctuary and electricity and all that stuff is because of people who have given unto the Lord. That there have been people prior to us who did not get offended by the words of Jesus or the, or, or the preacher or the leader who said, we have a vision that we need to be faithful to. There was a people before us who had a vision from God to build a place, not for themselves, but for a generation to come, a people yet to be created who would praise the Lord. Amen. And you know what? We are that people. We are living 
in the vision that prior generations believed God for, sacrificed unto God for, and gave unto God for. We are the recipients of their sacrifice and their generosity. Amen? So the next time, you know, you feel like you don't want to hear a message about giving and you just want to sit in a comfortable church in comfortable chairs, remember that there were a people who made pledges before you. And the reason they made pledges and the reason they gave unto God is because they wanted you to have a comfortable place and comfortable chairs and beautiful music. Amen. Amen. And now, it's our turn. Somebody say, it's our turn. The mantle is on us. The baton is now passed to this generation. Now we are that generation. We are the adults now in the room. Amen? It was nice when, when we were just children and we didn't have to do anything. We'd just show up and, and, and go hang out in you know, youth group. But now we're the adults in the room. And as the adults in the room, we now have a charge upon our lives to carry forth the gospel, not just for us who are no more, but for a people yet to be created, a generation yet to be born, who will praise the Lord. Amen? So we're going to close here. And uh, before we do that, we're going to let you see a video. It's a short video. It's about three minutes. Then I'm going to come back. We're going to close in prayer. And uh, we're going to dismiss you. But I want to encourage you to... uh, to realize that this is an opportunity that we have before us to continue to build and advance the kingdom of God beyond us four and no more. Amen? Amen. So let's check this out. Vision Sunday, we celebrate the future that we know God has for us. Over the years, we have talked about our plan for expansion that includes a new worship center that will more than double our current capacity with a grand lobby and cafe for fellowship. It means one service in which we can all gather together to hear the word preached and worship God in a united voice. Psalm 78 says we must Tell our descendants of his wonderful works that he has done so the next generation would know them and they in turn would tell their children. You see, our vision is not just for us four and no more. Our vision is for tomorrow, for a generation yet to be created that they may praise the Lord. This is what Vision Sunday is all about. And if you're a part of the Mission Church, then you're a part of this vision. The plan is to enlarge our impact in this community by building a new, larger sanctuary, a grand lobby and cafe, a bigger nursery for families, and more bathrooms. It also means converting our current sanctuary into a youth and children's center to reach the youth and families from across the Hudson Valley. It's a beautiful design that will be both aesthetic and functional and prepares 
and enables us to impact our community for years to come. But before we do this, we have a mortgage to pay down. Now, thankfully, by God's grace and your generosity, not only are we paying this debt, but we've been making accelerated payments toward principal. At this rate, we will have paid the mortgage off 12 years early and saved over $1.4 million in interest. On Sunday, November 21st, we will have our annual Vision Sunday celebration. During that service, we will be presenting an opportunity for you and your family to bring a special offering and make a 12-month pledge toward this vision to build. Please join my wife and me and our church leaders in seeking God over the next few weeks. Let's embrace God's vision for the Mission Church so we can tell our descendants of His wonderful works He has done so that the next generation will know them and they in turn will tell their children. God bless you. All right, let's stand together. So just an update. Um, you heard the numbers there about our mortgage. Um, we were able, our board of trustees was able a couple of weeks ago because of God's blessing and your generosity, your faithfulness with your pledges to make an advanced payment of $100,000 to our mortgage. Amen. In addition to um, the accelerated payments that we had been making and continue to make. So next week, I'm going to actually talk a little bit more about that and uh, how we've also increased our accelerated payments and, um, and where that puts us as far as the, the mortgage. But it's very exciting, and uh, we are way ahead of where we, uh, we were. We thank God for that. So, Father, we're just thankful, Lord, for your incredible blessings, Lord your faithfulness, God, and we give you praise that over the years, Lord, we have seen how you have blessed this vision, Lord God, that you are in this, Lord, and, uh, and Lord, you have blessed the Mission Church financially, God. And those that have been giving, those that have been pledging, Lord, you have blessed and enabled each of us, Lord, to stay current on our pledges, and Lord, we have seen the favor of God upon our lives because of it. Lord, we don't take that for granted. We recognize that God, this is the blessing of God in response to those who observe the principles of your word. And so, Lord, I pray that as we consider Vision Sunday next week, that, Lord, this week we will prayerfully consider the pledge that we would make going towards this vision for the next generation. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Challenge us this week, we pray. May we come back, Lord, with such an offering, Lord God, that just blesses you and honors you, Lord God, and takes us further in the vision that you have for the Mission Church. We give you praise, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Come on, church, lift a hand to the Lord right now and just say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness in my life. Can you lift up that other hand as well and just say thank you, Lord God. You're awesome, Lord. I give you praise. I worship you. I magnify you, Lord God. You're worthy. You're worthy, Lord, to be exalted and glorified, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to...